You're listening to Little Girl Dreams, a podcast by Chelsea Reed. Join me to talk about the disability and the support from family, friends and the rehabilitation team. Hello, it's Chelsea Reed here and today I've got a special guest. His name is Lockie and Lockie is my brother, so introduce yourself. (laughs) Hey guys, I'm Lachlan Reed. I'm Chelsea's brother and I'm currently living in Newcastle, uh, studying OT here at the University of Newcastle. And yeah. So, you were saying you want to explain me before my stroke and after my stroke. Yeah, well, um, it's, yeah, it's daunting to have a sister who's had a stroke because you've grown up with someone your whole life and experience everything that they've been and who they are before the stroke and then you're sort of presented with a completely different person well not completely different but um different circumstances afterwards so Chelsea had a left middle cerebral artery stroke which affected her left side of her brain predominantly in the speech cortex so that looked like a lot of receptive and expressive language difficulties, um, difficulties with strength and endurance on her right upper limb and lower limb, um, you know, mobility. So it was, yeah, fairly daunting at the start to see your sister in a completely different um, circumstance, not being able to walk or use her right arm very well or speak and understand. Yeah, and I think... um... You're right, because so many viewers know me after my stroke, but never know before my stroke. Yeah. Well, you were a bright, outgoing girl who worked hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I just think that, you know, you always see the stories about someone who they are after the stroke, but no one really understands who the person was before their stroke. We've grown up together our whole life, except when you went to boarding school. And I think you were so young and I was so young. And I think um, we we were getting stronger when we uh, went apart. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we still kept in contact tapes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I I was thinking of a funny time when... I was at boarding school and I was hating it and I was trapped. I felt that's trapped. What I- <laughs> and I used to call Chelsea and be like, you crying, oh, you got to come down to Sydney and pick me up and take me home. And Chelsea used to be like, no, no, stick it out, stick it out. And then roles reverse and Chelsea's in the hospital going, calling me going, you got to come pick me up and get me out. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to say. It's just so like, reverse the roles reversed <laughs> yeah but I think uh-huh. also one topic I wanted to sort of make a point as well which I found was interesting I don't really know if there's any studies on this that they've done but Chelsea for those who don't know was struggling with a lot of anxiety and a bit of depression yeah. before her stroke just with a lot of stress around her life but it's almost like the rough patch before was completely erased and Chelsea's now the happiest person I know. If not, she was happier 
after the stroke than before. Yeah, and I think it's so kind of weird because it's like everyone thought I had a stroke and it's like, oh, my God, you're okay, Chelsea. It's just like, do you know what? I am so, like, happy now. Like, this is like, what happened to me? <laughs> yeah, that was the crazy thing. Everyone that... um that knew Chelsea through school that I, like that I knew and my friends and that that didn't really know Chelsea they were like oh like is she okay like you know she and I'm, if not doing better after the stroke you were in it I don't know if it was like what was it for like for you like an eye opener or it was an eye opener and like I nearly died and it's just like oh my god okay why be so sad and so anxious and so depressed you can die any day so why be why be sad when yeah. you're happy that's a good point to make just to be happy with what you've got around you yeah yeah um you said that you um seen so many friends from even high school and like friends at, at um Pomacore in Newcastle would, would like were you scared about telling the the friends oh sorry Chelsea had a stroke like no not not at first you know I think as a family we tried to sort of keep it um on the down low at first for your sake just so we didn't know where you if you wanted it to be announced or not but when you said you wanted to I yeah there's nothing to be really ashamed of it's more like you want to what you want to do with this podcast is like inform people that young people can have a stroke and it can be scary and life-changing for the individual and the family so it's yeah well yeah you're right even like the random people like I remember like two months ago we were at me and Hayden were at the surf club and the worker the manager come up to me and she said, you got to go home, you're drunk. It was just like, oh, um, sorry, I'm limping because I had a stroke. And she was like, oh, 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 that's okay. All right, all right, I'm going to go. And it's just like, like, it's just like, I'm fine. Like, you can talk to me normal. Like, it's so like, um taken back like it's just like it's only a stroke like you can be normal like yeah and that's the thing with like people who haven't had any experience in the disability um area don't really understand like everyone that has a disability is just human and has just functions in a different way well yeah even like before my stroke I thought it's like to be disability is to be a wheelchair and not functioning like yeah everyone thinks that yeah i looked up on google how many people who have a stroke young yeah Did I say that right yeah yeah <laughs> and they said there is currently no i'm i'm sucky with the numbers 150, no, four, 143, two? Two. Sorry. 
142,000. Yeah. Who have, who's, who is a young stroke survivor. Yeah. Is that not like, what the hell? Mm. It's, well, it's just like, I thought when I had my stroke, it's just like, okay, like, mainly um, old people and maybe one or two people in Australia. I'm yeah. one of two. Like, but it's so much like, I join up um, those young stroke survivors on um, his Facebook and, mm. so like, and and I post on the page and say, hey, like I'm starting a podcast, here is the link. And so many people is just like, oh, my God, I'm 20 or 30 or 40. It's just like so many people. Yeah, and that's it's a crazy figure to think about that. You know, even for me, I didn't know much about the prevalence of stroke in Australia for the younger community because even in the neurological ward that you're in, there was not that many people that were under the age of 65. Yeah, yeah. But you you were saying you are studying OT. So what is OT? Well... Occupational therapy is um, an allied health profession, which mainly focuses on um, getting people back into the occupations that they love. So, for example, for Chelsea, it was the OT was focusing on getting Chelsea back to walking on the beach or going to yoga or doing things that are meaningful to Chelsea in her everyday life. Yeah. So... You were studying OT. At the time, yeah. At the time. Well, before my stroke and after my stroke. Yes. And you were studying, well, not studying, even working with the stroke um, people. And then I had a stroke. Did you think, um, do you think you know, okay, Chelsea had a stroke I could and get in um, step one, step two, step three. Okay, I'm okay. Like, mm, uh, it's hard because every stroke recovery is different, and that, that's the thing with um, everyone. Like whoever's had a stroke, the the recovery process is different. Everyone presents differently. So, a good way to put it is, it's like the first four months after a stroke is like a steady incline, like a hill. And then from then on, you get a few little plateaus and then a jump and then an improvement. And yeah, these are things that I'd obviously learnt through studying OT and having a little bit of experience in like neuro disorders. But I mean, I didn't learn specifically the, the, hardships of going through a family member's rehabilitation process because it was hard like we saw such an improvement in the first couple of months that Chelsea had her rehab but then from then on it was sort of plateau which isn't a problem but yeah yeah so would you say you know you like because of your study and your OT, you 
can get it. I definitely understood it more than some of the people in our family, but I still myself at the time was in shock and didn't really know what to do in terms of like, I knew what the rehab process was going to look like, but everything else around that is sort of hard, you know, like even just the communication with you and like dealing with family hardships and yeah. Yeah. And I think like rehab team work on with me and everyone who's got a, not a disability, but say for example, a stroke, the rehab team is just like working, working, working. And this is like, okay, I got to go. I got to go home. But I have to, you like with my family, you have to stay with me 24 hours like yeah yeah I get what you mean so like the rehab process is obviously what you had in hospital was you know your one hour of speech your one hour of OT and your one hour of physio every day or however many hours it was yeah um but then yeah like you these things and the rehab team a credit to them was really good it was more around teaching the family on what to do and how we can better improve your oh, really? ability. So like even in speech sessions, um, it would be one-on-one with Chelsea and the speech pathologist, but she would then give us homework to do and give us a few pointers to try better your speech when we were talking to you. Yeah, yeah. And that was something that was good for me because I knew what, things so for example like trying to push you I would tell you no no you got to walk extra steps where family would be like oh Chelsea it's okay like sit down in the wheelchair yeah that's the sort of stuff that yeah trying to say well now you are working at an OT in Newcastle do you think now you had um an experience where your sister had a stroke and you now resonate with your the family that you're working for yeah I I guess I've had a placement um in a stroke rehab setting well in a rehab setting and a lot of the patients were older stroke and it was it's hard to not put your own personal input into a rehab process but I definitely yeah resonated a lot with some of the experiences that the family members were going through, you know, like if they've never experienced it before, it is definitely, definitely hard. And, you know, for, I know for my mum, it was hard to understand um, when you don't have any experience in it, um, what a stroke is and what your next couple of like months to years are going to look like because, um you've never had experience in it so it's yeah it's good to have someone um explain it to you and for mum she was looking up a lot of those young stroke survivor um forums and I feel like yeah what you're doing now is a good thing good platform for people to understand but I think what what you you can't um tell people who you work with no you can't um, tell your OT student, well, like, 
my sister had one. Like you can't say that. Yeah. You you have to. Yeah, it's it's a part of sort of um, a therapeutic listening where um, if someone's explaining how hard it is, you can't take away from their experience and insert one of your own, which is hard to do. So mm-hmm. you sort of and it, you can't sit there and if someone's had a car accident and you've had no one in your family or yourself have a car accident, you can't say, I completely understand if you get what I mean. Because yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just if I was studying, well, I, if I was working at a OT now, man, I don't think I can do it. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I was studying neurological anatomy at the time and sort of had a, things that I understood about what a stroke was and what it looked like but you know like mum said in that first episode we were getting taken into rooms and like explain the procedure and the surgeries and and the complications that come with it and whatnot yeah. and everyone was sort of turning to me for answers at the, at the uh. early stages and it really put a put a hard spill on me because I couldn't provide those answers and like I, I knew roughly what it was but I couldn't say oh yeah like Chelsea's going to survive or you know yeah well you don't know anyone like yeah and that sort of yeah I had to really like mature quickly in that time with yeah like, well you you are were a mature person but I think now especially you have to be um man up (laughs) yeah well that was the thing it was just like you I don't know it was hard because like even um I think dad said it in the episode before the the first time dad and I got up there and you were in ICU I even have a photo of you in ICU and the doctor said there's a four-week period where um, we can't stress Chelsea because there's a massive chance that it could, the artery could close yeah. over and have a relapse. And, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, And he's sort of prepping us in the hallways going, you can't go in there and cry because it's going to stress Chelsea. And, yeah. And, yeah, and, and then, yeah, like Dad said, we Mum, Dad and I were sort of huddled like, we need to keep it together. And then, yeah, we walked in and Mum and Dad were like, strong and I was behind them and I just went nah and just walked out and dad was like oh shit and then yeah it was hard I was in the hallway for half the time you probably don't remember me being in there but (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like I I seriously didn't like I walked in you saw me and you looked at me and pointed and I was like nah and just walked out I was like (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry like now oh my god and every per every friend of mine says, "Oh, I met Lockie. So you're your your younger sister?" This is like, "No, I'm older sister." Like, <laughs> don't you dare say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. This is like, yes, he's taller than me, but don't you dare say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> no, but yeah, it was definitely like, because we had the whole family up there during that time and we were all bunking out at mum's house and yeah, yeah. it was just a very 
scary time and and it was yeah i like you said a lot of people strokes are more prevalent nowadays and a lot of people don't know what's going through and even i myself have studied it done it had work experience in it but still don't get the full extent of it well funny you should say that because somewhere i can't find it now but it said it's more often now rather than like years and years ago why now like why is it increasing and increasing and increasing the stroke the stroke sorry yeah so is it like I, i can't work it out like there's a lot of a lot of factors to contribute to it so there's all different types of strokes that you can have so your one was a vasoconstriction so your artery closed there's you can have strokes from for example owen wright's injury you can have a bleed on the brain and that can be classed as a stroke but not Uh, a not a oh what you can have a a tumor that can press on your brain that can cause a stroke it it's yeah but like why now rather than two years ago or three years ago four years ago rather than now and a future like it's well that's it yeah i think obviously there's more um yeah i don't i don't know i don't have the answers i have no idea (laughs) but maybe also the facts coming out and coming out on google in quotient google and like um facebook and instagram like just i can't speak from a i know this is the reason why but i just think that stress that nowadays and and lifestyle has a big impact because yeah yep stress is a big factor that um causes stroke and you know like even i know um medications can be a big factor too so like the contraceptive pill causes clots i think is a is a fact and and yeah and i mean you can't put it down to it surely but if you get a clot and that causes no blood to get to your brain that can cause a stroke so there's so many different things that your body is exposed to now that's really true yeah yeah it's scary nowadays like it's really scary smoking is like the biggest cause of stroke as well and you know like i know plenty of people that smoke and have never had a stroke but yeah Mm. it at the time it used to make me upset because they used to be like oh you're only going to get 80 percent of your sister back and i was like i don't think that's true you know, and they always said you were a fighter in rehab and, and yeah, like even now I think you're a different person to who you were before but not different in a way. Like, Well, I think I'm a, the same person. Yeah, you're still, you're still the same person, if not like happier than what I knew you before. Like you don't have to have any of your – medication that you used to have before like yeah i don't even know i could talk about this shit for hours <laughs> <laughs> we've got to wrap up <laughs> yeah but thank you so much 
to, for being um, a part of my episode. That's okay. Thanks for having me. I guess hopefully I can come up and see you soon after the lockdown. Hopefully, yeah, because you're in absolutely lockdown. I'm kind of in lockdown. Like, it's just so... COVID has stuffed up everything. And your birthday next month, like... Yeah, going to come up and see you guys, but can't do that now, so... Definitely can't. Oh, yeah, I don't think we're getting out of it anytime soon. Yeah. It's just going up. It's not even stopping the numbers, so. Well, um, be safe. Will do. You too. <laughs> and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.